Australink here with another edition of Fine Wisdom. That's hashtag Fine, F-E-I-N, Wisdom. Here with constitutional scholar Bruce Fine. Morning, Bruce. I'm glad to be with you again, Michael. So we're still in May. It's 2015. Uh, quite a few years ago, it was around 2009, 2010. I might have my timing a little bit off. I worked for the Campaign for Liberty, helping them to organize a transpartisan coalition effort in support of Audit the Fed. Uh, I helped organize the center right, Jane Hampshire from Five Dog Lake, the center left, and it was, it was a really productive effort. We got a minor audit, not the full audit that Congressman Ron Paul at the time wanted. We found out that the Fed loaned trillions and trillions of dollars for this period of time uh, to foreign banks, foreign businesses, uh, domestic banks, and domestic businesses. In studying for doing this project, I of course have to read the Austrian school, Rothbard, Rockwell, and such, and came to discover that the Federal Reserve is not a benign institution that just needs to be audited once in a while perhaps, but is actually quite destructive to our very way of life. And I'm wondering from you what your thoughts are, broadly speaking, about the Fed, if that's your consensus mm -hmm. as well. And more in line, and also, how constitutional is the structure itself? Mm -hmm. Well, that's an excellent question, Michael. And as Justice Holmes used to say, a page of history is worth volumes of logic. So it's worthwhile to begin with a little bit of history here. Remember, the Federal Reserve was not born until 1913. The United States had run over a century of very uh, impressive economic expansion without a Federal Reserve system at all. So you have to ask, well, why is it necessary? You know, why uh, fix something that's not broken? But it came about at the time of you know, Woodrow Wilson and the progressives in the early 1900s in this belief that technocrats uh, could know everything and uh, they could outfox uh, free marketplace ideas, and if you had really smart people, they could perfect the world. Uh, it's a little bit like Edward Bellamy's looking backward in a way in which uh, we could uh, effortlessly uh, make everybody equal in their wealth and, and not deter growth. And the, the Fed is, uh, I say, it's constitutionally anomalous uh, because it's called an independent agency. Uh, typically, in order to ensure accountability, executive officials can be fired by the president. If he's going to be held accountable for what the executive does, he should be able to have his own team. But the, Fed, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve, there are seven members there, uh, appointed for 14-year terms by the president with the advice and consent of the Senate, and they cannot be discharged. They basically have 14-year terms, except for you know rape or what's called good cause. It really has never happened. So for all practical purposes, they have 14 years, spans presidencies, uh, not just a single president's four-year term. And they have the enormous power that you've described to expand the money supply, to affect interest rates, all without any political accountability whatsoever. Uh, we've witnessed in the, the last uh, years uh, with the downturn in the financial crisis in the housing industry, uh, the Fed at a single stroke increasing the money supply by a trillion dollars. It's called quantitative expansion and driving down interest rates to banks to zeros. You know, they can pick and choose who their favorites are. Uh, and that's simply not the idea of government by the consent of the governed. Uh, moreover, the Fed's policies are so broad that they can, and this is see, the fault of Congress, because the Fed doesn't operate just out of the sky or present edict. Congress authorized the, the Federal Reserve System and, and basically doesn't exercise out of it. It's just like the Pentagon in a different way. And the, um, they, the Congress tells the Fed, well, make the economy grow possible. These are conflicting objectives, which means the Fed can do anything they want, which is, in fact, what they do do. 
Now, with all of this said and done, uh, you could say, well, the Constitution is about practicalities, not necessarily intellectual tidiness. And there is some merit to that. We have government to achieve things, not just to satisfy some philosophical bent. But if you look, then look at the achievement, what has the Federal Reserve brought us? You know, it didn't, if anything, it accentuated the Great Depression. Uh, it wasn't able to um, do anything but, I think, prolong the... Uh, uh, the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009. Remember that the big instigator of this was the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers. Does everybody even ask about Lehman Brothers today? It is true it went bankrupt. Uh, Sets were sold off. You know, some creditors had to take losses because they made bad investments. You know, if you or I make a bad investment in the stock market, you know, we expect to take the loss. The government doesn't come to bail us out. Uh, and then there are obviously these, these myths that are made up that without the Fed, then we really would have just fallen off the cliff in 2008 and 2009, that they all had these great genius ideas for the recovery. Uh, and it, it's a little bit like saying if you and I brush teeth every day after 2008 and 2009, there was a recovery, that was the cause. There really isn't any basis for concluding that we wouldn't have recovered even more rapidly, as we do in business cycles in general, and as we did prior to the creation of the Fed in 1913. Uh, the fact is, economics is risks. You make guesses, and if you guess wrong, you pay a price, and the, the price caused you to change your investment strategy or your employment or otherwise. That's how the free market system works. <coughs> So we have a situation today where, as you point out, the Fed is making trillions of dollars in loans, unaccountable. Uh, they just decide on their own who is the beneficiary of the loans. And as we can expect, a, the huge lion's share went to banks because many of the members of the Fed go back and work for banks. Uh, the former chairman, Mr. Bernanke, now does advisories to these banks and gets million dollars in consulting fees. And the same with Alan Greenspan and all these other you know, luminaries who have a... Uh, sort of a rotation in office, a revolving door, if you will. The same with Tim Gaetner, it's in that Treasury Department and the Fed kind of interchangeable here. So the fact is that we ought to abolish the Fed, in my judgment. Congress can do that. Uh, and lo and behold, the economy would not uh, go into a tailspin. Uh, it would have the same vigorous growth that it experienced prior to the creation of the Fed. Uh, we have other experiences with governments, if you will, territories without central banks, Hong Kong, uh, without a central bank, and they're a booming economy, uh, stronger than ours. So we need to get away from the myth that was created, not only with the Federal Reserve, but it came in at the same time, the new authorities of the Federal Trade Commission, and the whole idea, you know, the income tax would give the Fed all, I mean, the United States federal government this money uh, to try to make the world uh, perfect and, uh, and nirvana, you know, heaven on earth, because the technocrats knew better than anything else. Go back to the wisdom of the 1776, uh, the year of our, our Declaration of Independence with Adam Smith writing in Wealth of Nations. We obviously need a government that will enforce contracts, will enforce property rights, uh, you know, to prevent fraud, uh, prevent thievery. Uh, but other than that, as Adam Smith said, the legislator who thinks he knows better than the private individual where to invest his capital is, uh, is lunatic, as he doesn't know. He's well removed and the reason why the government programs that fail persist so long instead of being abandoned is because there's no economic penalty visited on the politicians who create the programs. So they say, well, you know, they do it for political purpose. And it's just crazy to think that we're ever going to get a politician to do other than make a political calculation when he votes on a bill or not. Economics is not why he's elected. 
uh, and which is a reason why we ought to keep the politicians out of economics, out of issues like the Federal Reserve, uh, rather than uh, uh, have them believe that somehow they can say outfox principles of supply and demand. I'd make this one one uh, additional observation, Michael, and that is uh, we have a tendency in the United States uh, to believe that if there's any particular pain, injury, adversity, we need a government program to resolve it. And a government program will always make things better, which isn't true. I mean, I'd be the first one to concede there are going to be adversities in life. There are going to be tragedies. But it doesn't mean that the government knows or the government solution is the optimal solution. Uh, sometimes the optimal solution is to do nothing as a government and to leave it to the marketplace, to leave it to charities or otherwise, uh, who can act uh, far more swiftly and without ulterior motives that the government has, namely a political one, to kind of address the issue. But the problem is when you seek to try to eliminate all risk, all adversity in life uh, with government programs, you end up with a cure worse than the disease. Thank you, Bruce.